Live from the WTAD studios in the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, it's time to pull up a chair and assemble today's WTAD News Roundtable. me hang on I, wanna, I should have probably done this before the show but we were talking about in-house uh, stuff. general stuff yeah i can read that later uh welcome to the friday edition of the news roundtable good morning my name is quaid i'm joined in studio by uh, steve bull and scott hardy who has to hustle out of the studio uh mid-show because da, 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 da. no no not that hustle no okay. not that no, you're not gonna dance oh you could if you wanted to dance out that's fine i'm, I'm all for it um but there is a press conference going on at 10.30. 11 o'clock, actually. At 11 o'clock that uh, you're going to need to be at mm-hmm. uh, here in town. He'll, he'll give you more details on that. Uh, a couple of things uh, to throw out uh, at you uh, this morning on the back half of the show. Um, apparently, and, and, and I had really kind of noticed this on a small level, that uh, there are times when... Uh, numbers that I see from the state or or, or Scott picks up, and I'm going to guess that he gets a lot of his coronavirus stuff from Illinois De- Department of Public Health, don't match the Western Illinois uh, tracking site. Uh, and I don't know if it's just they're a little latent in getting that information. I'm, I'm not sure. Other places have noticed that there seems to be uh, uh, some some problems with the numbers that are being put out uh, or not being put out by the states. The uh, Edgar County Watchdogs uh, have a piece uh, put together by Kirk Allen that uh, points to uh, some numbers that are being put out by the governor that, uh, in a breakdown of whom has coronavirus, equal more than 100%. Uh, and it's not a fraction of a number. It's over by three whole numbers. So somebody's math is uh, a little off. Also, they point to, uh, interestingly, projections for COVID-19, which I found ironic uh, coming from the state, which has trouble uh, with uh, uh, revenue estimates. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, and why uh, some states are playing fast and loose with numbers and others are doing their best to get hard numbers out to everybody so that we can understand things. Meanwhile, some Republicans yesterday afternoon sent the governor a letter about how to move forward uh, business-wise once this begins to scale down, and this being, well, coronavirus, what we've been talking about every day for the last few weeks. But in with the latest from the WTD Newsroom, say good morning to Scott Hardy. Good morning, Quaid. Good morning, everybody. Both state and Adams County officials are asking former EMS workers to volunteer Due to the pandemic, both the Illinois Department of Public Health and Adams County EMS are asking that anyone with a recently expired EMS license volunteer to come back as a provider during the pandemic. Statement sent Thursday says that licenses can't have been expired for over for more than five years. Reinstatement is good for six months. They also say if a provider wanted to be permanently reinstated, officials say that's possible through retraining and education programs. 
If interested, you're asked to call the Adams County EMS. Hannibal's mayor has issued a statement saying that residents should stay inside as much as possible and that all non-essential businesses in the city should close. Mayor James Hark made that statement Thursday, saying he did so after talking with Marion County's Emergency Management Director and Hannibal City Manager Lisa Peck. Hark says in his statement he's reinforcing his earlier message that all non-essential businesses in the city should close. He says a list of essential businesses as defined by the federal government is posted on the city's website and Facebook page. Hark stresses residents should remain in their homes, quote, unless you have a vital reason to go out or are part of the essential business workforce, end quote. Hark also stressed the importance of practicing social distancing by staying at least 6 to 10 feet away from others. The facilitator of the city of Quincy's plan for the future says once the coronavirus pandemic passes, the city has an opportunity to grow. Maggie Strong, appearing yesterday on WTAD's Mary Griffith Show, says because local governments adopted the Quincy Next strategic plan, once the pandemic ends, the city will have an opportunity to transform itself and to quickly show a need for state and federal dollars. It's just two years ago this month that we adopted, the city council adopted the Quincy Next strategic plan, and we are going to be able to take advantage of anything that comes our way as far as stimulus. Um, we're going to be able to have the uh, the plans in place to show them what kind of new infrastructure we need, um, how to you know be ready to take advantage of whatever comes our way in a time that uh, is is really difficult for a lot of people at the moment. Strong says that Quincy and Adams County resilience in the face of past crises will also help in the coming months. We've been through crises in the past, and this is very different from what we've all experienced. But I know that we're up to the challenge. And I do think it's going to be very important that we're ready to take uh, take every opportunity that comes our way. So whatever the federal government is going to provide with this job stimulus, uh, we need to be able to rebuild uh, and build greater infrastructure than we have in the past. And, and we're ready for that. Northeast Missouri State Senator is defending herself from criticism after recent statements she made about relaxing some aspects of stay-at-home orders issued in the state to fight against the spread of the virus. State Senator Cindy O'Laughlin, appearing yesterday on WTAD's News Roundtable, explained further about comments she made Sunday on her Facebook page about strict stay-at-home measures recently enacted in St. Louis City and County in Kansas City. If working individuals can work within the safety guidelines that the governor issued, which were the social distancing, being careful if you cough or sneeze, staying six feet from people, if you could do that... I felt that you should be able to do that. And I'm not sure that people are considering the fallout from shutting down uh, two-thirds of the economy of the state. O'Laughlin was criticized earlier this week for that stance, especially in editorials in both St. Louis and Kansas City newspapers. In her Facebook post, O'Laughlin also questioned the constitutionality of a possible statewide stay-at-home order, saying if one's issued, it should be challenged in court. Governor Mike Parson didn't issue that order last Friday when he issued a state of emergency, but was urged to do so Monday by the Missouri State Medical Association. You can hear the full interviews with both Maggie Strong and Missouri State Senator Cindy O'Laughlin in the podcast section of WTAD.com. Quincy firefighters investigating an overnight blaze at a bar on the city's southwest side. Firefighters say that blaze broke out just before 1 a.m. this morning at Belcher's Bar at 6th and Jefferson. Firefighters say they're not sure what caused the fire. The bar was heavily damaged, but no one was hurt. And Quincy Police want you to be aware of vehicle burglaries that are happening in the southeast and southwest parts of the city as well. If you have any information about the burglaries, you're asked to contact either the Quincy Police Department 
or the Quincy Regional Crime Stoppers. And a Hannibal man faces assault charges after a Wednesday incident. Hannibal police identify the man as 19-year-old Noah Harrell and say they were called to a home in the 2200 block of Broadway. That's where officers arrested Harrell on counts of assault and armed criminal action. Police say no one was hurt in the incident. Harrell was formally charged Thursday with counts of armed criminal action and second-degree assault. He's in the Marion County Jail on $25,000 cash-only bond. He's due to appear via video this morning in Marion County Associate Court for his first appearance. That is a look at the latest in local news. Of course, we'll have more for you throughout the afternoon right here on WTAD, WTAD WTAD.com, and our social media pages, including Twitter and Facebook, and what Quaid was mentioning earlier about a press conference. Uh, Mayor Kyle Moore is expected to announce a task force for the COVID-19 pandemic and also measures that the city may take to aid businesses who are struggling as a result of the closures forced by the pandemic. Is it too much uh, for me to say, uh, to, to, to ask you to have this story uh, finished and ready to go with a, an audio update by noon? Yes. <laughs> All right, I thought I'd throw that out there. And unless hey, unless the mayor's remarks are brief. Okay, and, and Will, <laughs> I knew that would be the That's a quick turnaround, I understand. Uh, Will, you, you went to city council. You said that there was social distancing at, at city yes. council. Uh, at this press conference, how do, how do you, uh, will will there be areas set up for individuals and how? Well, I imagine what we'll do is we'll do what we did uh, Monday night, where basically we set up our gear, put it near k- where Kyle is going to stand. He backs off. We put it there. He comes back, and then we back off. And that's that's how we'll do it. I mean, we'll just we'll keep our distance. Okay. We'll, we'll, and then you'll spread from each other. Right. We'll act like we all have really bad bo. Basically, is what we'll do. <laughs> all right. I'm painting a mental picture sure. for the listener. That's what we do. All right. Thank you, sir. It's 1016. We'll take a time out. And uh, when we come back, the numbers, uh, the projections, and the irony. Next on the News Roundtable. WTAD. Radio 930 WTAD. Welcome back to the News Roundtable. Um, as uh, Scott heads over to uh, Mayor Moore's press conference uh, this morning uh, about uh, coronavirus, uh, a conversation that's going on around the state, and, and I guess in a larger uh, way uh, around the country, has to do with the numbers that we're seeing. We've been pointing you in the direction of the Johns Hopkins Global uh, Search and also the Western Illinois University uh, coronavirus uh, tracker for the state that breaks it down county by county. Now, the Western Illinois version certainly not as uh, in-depth data-wise as uh, Johns Hopkins' global one. Uh, and yet, there were times where uh, I believe, and I, and I don't know if he nodded or not, that's, that Scott's numbers were coming from the Illinois Department of Public Health and that the Western Illinois uh, website didn't match up to the number with those. Well, apparently, uh, numbers matching up are a problem uh, here in the land of Lincoln. And the Edgar County Watchdogs, uh, in, in, under the name of Kirk Allen, uh, wrote a piece uh, that I found at Wirepoints questioning the numbers that are being 
uh, distributed by uh, the government here in Illinois. And to, to buttress that, ProPublica has a piece that says uh, hospitalization numbers are spotty, and they're asking for journalists to help them get a better picture of what's really happening uh, in hospitals and hotspots specifically around the country. And I, I find it interesting. By the way, ProPublica has a link to another uh, website that is tracking data called covidtracking.com if you want to uh, check on, on that. Um, but the Edgar County Watchdogs piece penned by Kirk Allen uh, seems to take umbrage with uh, the numbers that the governor is mentioning during his press conferences uh, each day. And they put uh, this piece out earlier uh, this week. And uh, I, find it, I find it fascinating because some of the questions they have is how many people are currently hospitalized due to COVID-19? How many people have been discharged from hospitalization due to COVID-19? How many persons have been identified as recovered from COVID-19? These are numbers that uh, are missing from the Western Illinois uh, COVID-19 tracker that you can see on the global side. Uh, and that's one of the areas that we thought uh, that that it wasn't, uh, you know, as well uh, developed as the Johns Hopkins one. One of the other questions they have, and remember, this was on Wednesday, of the 11,485 uh, COVID-19 tests that have been taken, uh, they said 1535, 1,535 resulted positive. How many were negative? And how many are still awaiting results? Uh, they said the, the press conference, and they're pointing to one from earlier this week, uh, says that uh, they, they had a breakdown of whom was contracting the disease. And in the breakdown, they did it demographically. In the breakdown, the numbers equaled 103%. I'm not sure how you get to that number except for bad math, and that's kind of the thing that they pointed to. Uh, one of the areas also that um, Kirk Allen took uh, umbrage with, uh, the governor, he says the governor shared projections on what our infection rates would have been had he not taken action to limit gatherings and practice social distancing, closing of schools, uh, shutting down of non-essential portions of the economy. Uh, and then they point to a graph that the governor has put on display at his press conferences. It's, it says the, from his press conference, the graph shows the worst case scenario of what Illinois could expect if the mitigating actions of the governor weren't taken. Now, they point to the charts that show current utilization versus capacity. And the scenarios uh, that the graph shows were those projections uh, would... Uh, what they would be over a 10-week period had the social distancing and shutdowns not occurred. And I find that fascinating. And um, Kirk Allen says, uh, I understand the, the medical concerns. The projection appears to be a slick way of patting the governor on the back with information is, as they said, worst-case scenario based on projections. Well, there's no way to ever know if the worst-case scenario projections, Alan says, are accurate, so why tell the public an unknown? He says, clearly it leads people to believe the governor's actions prevented a catastrophe. Never mind 
there's really no way to prove that. And I thought that ironic uh, that the government can crank out the speculative numbers of worst case scenario, but can't regularly and certainly won't this year for sure have a revenue estimate for the budget. I, I just found that uh, a little ironic. Also, they point to a numbers problem uh, in what Governor Pritzker has shared as far as hospital beds in the land of Lincoln. Uh, they point out that according to Governor Pritzker, there are 12,588 hospital beds uh, available in Illinois with 51.6% occupied. Uh, they said the governor doesn't provide any detail as to what type of hospital beds uh, that he's pointing to there. Uh, so they went to the Illinois Health Facilities and Services Board and found that as of 2018, there were 36,174 hospital beds in Illinois. Well, that's three times, practically, what the governor said that there are. And so, uh, and according to the worst-case scenario that they shared, again, projections, uh, that number of hospital beds that the Illinois Health Facilities and Services Board put out, as of, again, as of 2018, would more than cover the worst-case scenario situation. So there appears to be a problem with the numbers that are being, A, utilized, uh, in tracking this and how we're uh, utilizing them going forward. It points back to the ProPublica uh, problem of Illinois' numbers not being as thorough as other states are. And I found that uh, fascinating because I found the ProPublica piece first and then tracked back to the Edgar County Watchdogs piece. There are several states in the country who release information day-to-day uh, -day or uh, even shorter than that. There are some that occasionally release data. 17 states release data regularly. 11 release data in some form. Uh, but Illinois is one of the states where there are significant numbers of people who've tested positive for COVID-19 who don't disclose their data. And I, and I found that fascinating. However, I also will point out that the COVID Tracking Project website at covidtracking.com that I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, if you look at it and go to Illinois, it gives Illinois an A. So I, I question that. You guys have problems with Illinois' numbers, but if you go to the website you're pointing to, it actually scores Illinois an A. So what do we go by? The people who are grading Illinois in A, the people who say they have a problem with the numbers we're putting out, or the people putting out the numbers? I'm not sure. I don't know that Mayor Moore will be able to answer those questions at his press conference today. He'll, it would be impossible for him to. But it leaves us with kind of a question mark over our head going, all right, where are we at? Where are we moving forward? A group of Republican uh, legislators in the House yesterday got together and sent Governor Pritzker uh, and a uh, letter with ideas to kickstart Illinois' economy as we try to put a plan together for the end of COVID-19 and directly after that. Um, those Republican legislators from the House include Dan Calkins from Decatur, who's been on this show before, but also include Blaine Wilhauer, uh, Chris Miller, Brad Hallbrook, Alan Skillicorn, uh, Darren Bailey, amongst uh, others. 
They did say it was good that Governor Pritzker moved the state's tax filing deadline to match with the federal government deadline. Uh, but they said that we need to give small businesses immediate breathing room, and I think that's part of what Mayor Moore will be talking about uh, at his press conference coming up at 11. Uh, if you want to check out the full piece uh, about what the Republicans, the House Republicans, uh, sent in their letter to Governor Pritzker on how to uh, help businesses moving forward, and just to give you an idea, uh, there are bullet points on these plans. They put out a press release uh, yesterday, but... They would like uh, a freeze in unemployment insurance rates for a year, and they would like to freeze the state's minimum wage for the next 18 months. If you remember, the minimum wage is supposed to go up again in uh, the summertime and then go up a dollar a year afterwards until we get to 15. How is that affected by the vote going on in the House today concerning the coronavirus stimulus? And is the $15 an hour minimum wage included in that? And how will that mix with what's already being put in place in Illinois and Republicans are asked being halted? Yeah, there's issues that need to be worked out. We'll try and wade through them when we come back on Monday. We'll be here at 10 a.m. You should be too. The News Roundtable will reconvene Monday morning at 10.06 a.m. on AM 930 WTAD. Podcast available online at WTAD.com.